Something happened when the internet turned into an ad-driven business. The name of the game was to get as many eyeballs as possible, to scale and grow quickly. Our incentives became oriented around grabbing attention over valuing substance. What's happening now in the Fediverse gives us a chance to reverse that, to pivot out of the attention economy and into something more meaningful. Welcome to Dot Social, the first podcast to explore the world of decentralized social media. Each episode, host Mike McHugh talks to a leader in this movement, someone who sees the Fediverse's tremendous potential and understands that this could be the internet's next wave. Today, Mike's talking to Tony Stubblevine, the CEO of Medium. As the publisher of Better Humans and its sister publications, Tony was one of Medium's most successful community members. Tony knew Medium better than anyone, so when it came time to look for a leader of the platform, he got the job. He's done good work at Medium since joining as CEO in July 2022 and made news in January 2023 when Medium set up a Mastodon instance at me.dm. Mike and Tony discussed this journey here, along with other big themes like what's wrong with the attention economy, Tony's framework for high-quality recommendations, and why it's an exciting time for entrepreneurs and builders. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Tony Stubblebein, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. Ah, it's a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. So um, I thought it would be fun to start by telling the story of how you were such a major medium writer and then became a CEO. <laughs> how has that been going? How'd that happen? How, 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 how do you feel about all that? This is the dream for every power user of every platform ever, right. you know, like so somewhere who's the top TikToker and do they have a shot at being the CEO of TikTok one day? I mean, it was, there's a little bit more to that story than that. Um, you know, I had been, we'd been, I was running a company that was funded by the same uh, fund that funded uh, uh, Medium. And so I shared office space with Medium and then I kept sharing office space. And so I'd been really close to the company for a long time. And then I'd been an advisor. And then as Medium grew into more um, this partner program where they started paying authors and paying some publishers, uh, I started starting publication, not just writing there. I think I've written 700 posts over there, but running publications. And so before, uh, around the time I became CEO, uh, about 2% of medium traffic was going through uh, no a publication that I was running. It looked oh, before I was, was CEO, better humans. yeah, better humans, right. better programming, better marketing. I was running three um, that are kind of in my wheelhouse of helping people achieve some sort of goal and, you know, self-improvement, but also, you know, marketing is a you know business thing and, uh, and programming is where I got my start. I'm originally a programmer. So that's that was like the core of my resume when uh, the founding CEO Evan Williams, who's you know somewhat of a luminary, when he decided he wanted to step down, uh, I said, you know, I think I'm capable. Like I've been a CEO for a long time. I think I'm capable of running it, and I know for certain that nobody understands Medium better than me. And so there's not going to be a ramp up time. If you want someone to come in and make change right away, you're not going to find anyone better than me. So I made that case and, uh, and they bought it. And now I'm 15 months in and I've proved myself. And so everyone right in this moment is pretty happy 
uh, feel like, you know, it was a bet. Uh, you know, everyone was taking a bet and we all, yeah. it feels like the bet paid off. Yeah, that, that is a, a great thing. And, you know, smart for Ev to, to bet on you to do that. Uh, and I, yeah. and I understand Medium's doing, uh, quite well right now. There's a lot of, a lot of things that you've done since you took over. What, what would you say is kind of the biggest thing that you changed or did when you, when you came in? I, the thing I'm most proud of is to pivot out of the attention economy. I just mm-hmm. think everything that's wrong on the internet is mm-hmm. this, the, the, you know, essentially is the way that ad driven businesses incentivize attention over substance. And I had just, I'd come from a different type of media. I'd come from O'Reilly media, which was, uh, book publishing for programmers, but you know, essentially that company trained me to think what's the best possible, most correct, most helpful advice, not what's the most inflammatory way to teach programming, but what's like the most high substance way. And then, and then I was publishing, you know, in self-improvement and not just publishing, but then I was working with the readers themselves. So the thing I cared about was not was the thing they read interesting. It's, well, how did their life change after they read it? And I just, that, that part of the internet feels like it got obscured by clickbait, content mills, you know, just everyone writing for the machines instead of really writing for what I think, you know, the purpose of not just writing all communication is to transform someone else's life for the better. So we had a very attention focused recommendation system when I got here and took all year, but we, we replaced it with um, recommendations that have a lot more expert signal inside of them. And, um, I'm happy to do that. I like the outcome. Also turns out to have been a great business decision because we were seeing when we were doing pure recommendations, like attention driven recommendations, we were seeing like reads per user go up, but we were seeing retention come down. Mm -hmm. And when we flipped it, sometimes reading activity comes down because it's like, you know, the high, like the highest substance author is not the best like, uh, doesn't write the best titles, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but if you do click and you read it, you're pretty satisfied. And so what I go around telling people now is there's a huge difference between what someone is willing to read and what someone is happy to have paid to read. And because we're a subscription business, we have to be optimizing for that, for that ladder. Yeah, that yeah. you know that is a, a a very important realization that I think a lot of other businesses need to go through. And so this is this is really I'm very interested in how you were able to algorithmically discern between something that people felt like if they read it it changed their life and was useful, you know, versus something that was just clickbait had a lot of engagement. How were you able to tell the difference? Was it human curation that made the difference? Did you change something in the algorithm? Human curation. This is like culturally, the internet made this weird switch of this like anti-gatekeeper switch. Mm -hmm. And we forgot what a service it is to have someone smart picking, you know, picking things for you to read. Like when you went to college, you know, your syllabus was picked for you by a professor. You don't know, you don't know anything about the subject. Right. And you've got like a freaking master 
picking right. what you should read. That's a, like, that's a real service. And so I'd read this, um, uh, Neil Stevenson book right before I joined, uh, this book fall, which I, I don't think was like his most popular book, but it had this idea of, um, of, uh, a future internet where everyone subscribed to essentially a curation service and rich mm-hmm. people all had a dedicated person. And so that they got the sanest stuff, but then poor people, all they could afford was an algorithm that was focused on optimizing a dopamine reaction. And yeah. so they, they became crazies. Right. And <laughs> like you can a hundred percent like understand this is a book that was written during the Trump era and, uh, but that, I mean, yeah. that's essentially, I was, I was reading that and I was thinking, yeah, I agree with this. Like, uh, yeah. I would love, you know, essentially a research librarian for myself. Right. right. And, right. and, and there's some people that I think like, oh, inf- you know, you like, you want, mm-hmm. un- like you want no gatekeepers at all. And they forget that then you end up with an algorithm as the gatekeeper and the algorithm right is just not optimizing for right. any sort of subject matter expertise. And so we we still use an algorithm, but we just, we think of it, it's only doing matchmaking. Mm-hmm. It's not doing anything regarding whether or not this is good or not. We put that mm-hmm. into the hands of uh, of curators. Elaborate what you mean by matchmaking. So, so is that matching based on here's something we know is good and then here's an algorithm that determines something is matches an interest that someone has. If someone writes a great article about the Hudson Valley, which is where I am today, which might be where you are today. Beautiful place. Mm -hmm. The algorithm can know you and I care about the Hudson Valley and make that match for us. Meanwhile, someone in Ohio who's not, necessarily traveling here. They don't need to see that. Right. right. And this comes up for all sorts of topics, right? Like I, right. um, uh, I care about some of the arts, but I'm not like, not all of them. I care right. about, um, some types of music, but not all types of music. I care about yeah. basketball, but I don't care about baseball. And, uh, and so I care about startups, but I don't care about corporate stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. management advice for startups. Yeah, I'll read that. Management advice for Fortune right. 500. So keep it away from me, please. Right. right. Um, so that's and so those those yeah. are where you use algorithms, right? Because you can yeah. scale that matchmaking. Yeah. But you but those are all those algorithms, as they the famous saying is garbage in, garbage out, right? So yeah. if you if you have bad content going into those algorithms, you're just matchmaking people with bad content. Right. So what you sounds like what you're doing is you have people who are mm-hmm. making judgment calls on what is good content. Yeah. And then you're using algorithms to match yeah. people up with that good yeah. content. Yeah. And I, just, I want to like really highlight for people because the number one misconception is that good content is an opinion, right? And this mm-hmm. is like, uh, maybe, maybe for a poem, a good poem is a matter of taste, right? Mm-hmm. But for management advice, it's a matter of experience. Yeah. For programming advice, it's a matter of experience. For running advice, it's a matter of experience. For um, uh, physical therapy, it's a matter of experience. Mm -hmm. And and so if you put that experience into 
you know, you could just say we're adding that as a signal to the algorithm, but it's, it has been really transformative to us for us and just completely changes the nature of the, of the product, you know, you know, essentially all social media platforms. I don't know if other CEOs say this, but I say the content is our product because otherwise we think the software is our product. It's like, that's not true. The content is the product. Right. And it just completely changes the nature of, of our product if we do it. Yeah. This yeah it, at Flipboard, you know, I, I often talk about the curation as our product. Mm-hmm. It's that service that you, re- you, you mentioned, yeah. right? Right. Um, right. I know and, you're a big believer in curation as well. And that's, uh, yeah. I think, what makes Flipboard work, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, what's really fascinating to me is that you've, you've combined the concept of people creating content on your platform with then also recommending content and, and you have, so it sounds like you have, you obviously have some on staff curators that are making those calls. Are you also opening that up for others to, to recommend content at all? Our view is that the subject matter expertise should live in the community and Mm -hmm. that our internal curation team is like, the uh the gut check on it right Uh that you know anytime you put something out to the community you're going to get gamed a little bit or sometimes a lot and so there's some checks and balances but we don't internally want to be tastemakers or subject it's not again it's not taste is the wrong word even it's we don't want to be um we don't want to be subject matter experts and we're not right. We're, Fair we point. know a lot about a handful mm-hmm. of things, but mm-hmm. for the most part, we know, you know, we don't know enough to say, mm-hmm. Oh, this is actually a really important, um, uh, article for people that program in rust. Like right. no one on our internal curation team has an opinion on that. I'm not sure even our engineers have an internal, you know, right. like, we're, right. you know, we use Go here. So why right. would we know anything about that? <laughs> no one in the company can make that determination. Right. But someone who lives and breathes it and has also seen everything that's ever been published on Medium on that topic knows right away that's right. going to be important. Right. And uh, so we end up with a, and I've written about this too, uh, essentially a three step recommendation process community subject matter experts, we call them nominators, internal curation team, with the, which is checks and balances. And if it passes that, then it's boosted. We call this whole program is the uh-huh. boost. Then it's boosted and it's weighted differently in our recommendation algorithms. And then the recommendation algorithm is, well, you know, are you subscribed to this author? Are you subscribed to this publication? Do you follow this topic? Have you read articles like this in the past? Uh, okay. If so, then there's a matchmaking opportunity here and let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. By the way, that is probably the most succinct and, and clear description I've heard of anyone provide for any recommendation engine. Um, oh, dude, that is really great. And, and I think one of the fantastic approaches that you have here is that then by definition, it's next to impossible to have, you know, misinformation um, yeah. get boosted by your system. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't go that far, right? It's, you know, like you want the dialogue to always be improving and you don't know sometimes early on what is the right information. What mm-hmm. I think what doesn't get um, boosted is lazy thinking, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, like yeah. that's the, 
I don't know, the most divisive topics on Medium, they just, I look at them and I end up feeling like, well, one side is just being lazy. Like they haven't Mm -hmm. really taken the time to make a full argument. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's because the, their current argument works in an attention economy. So there's been no higher incentive for them. So it's like, uh, you know, we cracked down on a lot of anti-vax stuff during COVID, let's say. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that's actually one of the top two most divisive things on Medium. Yeah. And I think the world lost out probably by how lazy the anti-vax movement was um, because we didn't have it. It meant we couldn't have a great debate about whether or not to close schools mm-hmm. because it became mm-hmm. politicized really quickly. Right. And right. like if, if medium can be a place that kind of sets standards mm-hmm. then, and, and people with differing views can rise to meet those standards, then I think we can have a real discussion around that. Right. Um, Which yeah. is, I think what people are yearning for, right? Yeah. They're looking yeah. for the different points of view, the different perspectives that are rooted in some kind of, as you said, kind of thoughtful, you know, um, mm-hmm intentional, you know, uh, writing and that, and then I think that's, that lends then the, the feel to medium feels very high quality. It feels very knowledgeable. You, you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not where you go for like quick hits. You go, you go to like really advance and deepen your knowledge in some area that you're interested in. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's in our mission to deepen people's understanding of the world. And that's why, we chose to be a subscription um, mm-hmm. because when we fulfill that, people feel good about having paid us money and we don't yeah. have to, we don't have to keep their attention all day, every day. There's a word we started using more because, uh, you know, sometimes it feels very like competitive, right? And it's like, no, we just think we're complementary to the rest of the internet that mm-hmm. um, it's not that I mean, I guess at some level, I think a lot of the internet is broken and I don't like it, but I don't need you to think that, right? I just, like, there's something that's missing from what the rest of the internet is giving. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, we want to we want to compliment that, give, give people something different. So Medium can be a place that's op- optimized for substance. Great. I still use TikTok all the time and I'm not using it for substance. I'm using it right. so that it cracks me up, right? Like those right. are completely different, different needs, right? Right. Right. So, you know, early this year, you launched mm-hmm. your, uh, your instance on Mastodon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you talked a little bit about short form versus long form writing. You talked about the importance of the community. You talked about the yeah. value system Mastodon has as all being reasons why you did that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about like your rationale for doing that and how that has played out over the last several months, almost a year now. Yeah. I love being on Mastodon because I love the people. And I think a lot of it was a lot of the thinking was just mission based to advance our, our goals. And some of it too, is to be just be present on as something new is being birthed. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, that's how I got this job on medium. Right. Right. And it's not instant. Right. I just, stayed present on medium for 10 years until they made me CEO. And, 
And so, I mean, that can't happen on, in the Fediverse. There's no, that's the cool thing about it. Right. That's the cool thing. Um, I don't, you know, th- this is why we, you and I talk offline is I think yeah. there's a real future to the Fediverse mm-hmm. and it might not be instant. Um, but yeah. there's this vibe of like, are we at the end of platform monopolies? Mm-hmm. And the way I've started to look at it is, you know, it's not that Twitter will go out of business, but the usage of Twitter is getting fragmented. Mm-hmm. And so I think the press has this wrong even. They're like, who's going to replace Twitter? Ten people right. might right. replace Twitter, and Twitter might be the biggest of the ten, you know, or X, right? right? It doesn't yeah. matter. It's like something is is interesting is happening, and I'm not following it as a horse race. I'm following it as, well, one of the really interesting fragments is happening on Mastodon in the Fediverse, and I don't know where it's going to go. But I know it fits, you know, our value system. And so we want to be present. And so I think, you know, it's like it's tempting to judge like whether or not our entry has been successful yet. And I don't even think of it that way. I think probably Mm -hmm. a lot of our user base is thinking is waiting for a winner to be announced. And that might never happen. Right. Uh, it's the, that's that lazy thinking again. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, I think back to the days of AOL when that was the only way that people were online and it's not like one thing replaced AOL, uh, hundreds of thousands of websites replaced AOL, right? So you could say the internet replaced AOL, but you know, it was hundreds of thousands of websites that sprung up. And I, I think that's probably what we'll see play out. Yeah. in the fediverse right and i like i'd say like some of the twitter use case moved to discord and to reddit and right. some will end up on threads which is either or is not maybe part of the fediverse we'll see yeah. i mean i heard definitely it's coming but who knows yeah. i've heard um, the same uh blue sky all like great um, and then some people will stay on Twitter itself. Also great. Yeah. Right. And maybe we weren't meant for one global town square. Uh, right. maybe a lot of people would rather be in a smaller semi-public square. Um, mm-hmm. that, that all it could be a really interesting adjustment. The one thing like to go back to our values is, uh, we just think there's something inherently healthy about writing mm-hmm. and that, you know, medium at, like makes a business out of the pinnacle of writing, like a, a person sharing something deeply personal, either about their profession or their life. And you wouldn't be able to get that kind of that human story and the human wisdom from that human story anywhere else. But those things don't, they don't spring up fully formed, right? right. Like that, the muscle of writing, having ideas, thinking them through. And so short form, like how many blog, how many great blog posts started as a tweet, right? And right. um, and right. how much how much of just writing regularly and thinking about what you're going to write creates a brain that's primed to write. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's it's all part of the mm-hmm. the writing ecosystem is to always be in, like always be writing, and always be so, writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And Mastodon is a way of doing that. It's a way of putting thoughts out there, having conversations. It's part of the writing process. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. That's a great, that's a great way to think about it. And so when you look at your, um, nominators, I think you called them, right? So do you feel like those nominators could then also be on Macedon and part of that Macedon community? And you, you, how do you see your medium community and the Macedon community? Do you think these things will be different or will they eventually merge or? Like, I thought I might come on here and just interview you. Like, I think, uh, you, when we talk not on this podcast, I think you're yeah. looking around corners that I can't see yet. And so I'm a little bit like, you know, my, the way I operate is get in early, understand it before everyone else mm-hmm. and through experience. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not there yet. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, the, your question on nominators is interesting because I think that's something you've known for a long time. And I've only more recently come to feel it is like, there's a curation persona, just mm-hmm. period. Right? Yeah. And, when I, and now that I think back at it, it's like O'Reilly used to call these mavens. Like mavens, could, interesting. You could elevate yourself by knowing all the experts and yeah. connecting them uh-huh. and, and connecting them to people that needed to meet them. But you yeah. might not yourself be, you know, the world's expert on data science or the world's expert. You know, it's like essentially yeah. the O'Reilly conference chairs tended yeah. to be mavens. They, yeah. they knew everyone. They were incredibly extroverted. They're incredibly curious. They got, they got excited by hearing yeah. about something new and being, and knowing like, Oh, you know, who would think that's cool? Jim. Right. Right. And, <laughs> um, and so that yeah. is like, yeah. you know, I, I'd seen it before, but I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't really understood it as a persona, but like medium, prior like we've always had a major publication community we just had never really leaned into that even though i was running publications mm-hmm. but now like that's to us is the thing mm-hmm. that unlocks um a different type of author you know like mm-hmm. say like we're a complement to the internet well the internet right now is built for authors who are also marketers right mm-hmm. but the vast majority of people with some like great human story they're not going to learn how to game SEO, write viral headlines, build an audience. You shouldn't have to build an audience to have a great story heard. Right. And so by having an ecosystem with curators inside of it, it means that anyone can show up and like a curator will spot you and Mm -hmm. give you an audience if it, you know, or help you help connect you to an audience. It doesn't mean, every single person who shows up is going to be Malcolm Gladwell level fame, but like there's people who are actively looking on it. It's not a requirement that you be a marketer in order to have your voice heard. Mm-hmm. So I think again, that's a, like, that's something that's a way we can complement mm-hmm. the, the rest of the internet. Well, it's so interesting too, because it, you know, when I, I, I'm at, how, how many things did you said you, you wrote on medium, like 700, 700. did I hear you say 700? Yeah. I've wrote two. In my entire career. And, and, you know, it's incredibly time consuming for me to write, sit down and write. It's, I have so much respect for something that's well written. And, uh, and, you know, two things I wrote, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I posted them on Medium and they live on to this day. I still get comments. I still, and I posted them years ago. Yeah. And, 
but what I what I also find that I can do while while it's very hard for me to take the time to write something, it is not hard for me to to take the time to recommend something, yeah. right? And other entrepreneurs, other technology, you know, people that are coming up in their product career. I love being able to just say, this is a really good story to read, or this is a great video to watch, right? right. And, and I think that, like you said, you, you termed it as a service. Uh, I couldn't yeah. agree more. And in some cases, you know, even if I never wrote anything, right, I still have a career and I've been building, you know, I've been learning. And so if I see a piece of content, like you said, as a subject yes. matter expert, being able to recommend it, yeah, and that's like the highest order bit, I think, for social media. It's like, it's the best calling. It's most yeah. sort of genuinely positive thing that it could yeah. do in the world. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's, I mean, such a great case. It's like, what algorithm is going to understand like the, like the entrepreneurship and startup articles on Medium better than you would? There's just right. not possible. And right. it's also, you do this other thing, which is underrated is when you share it, you tell a person why. Like you're, right. you're saying, I heard you say this. I think you should read this because, right? And the algorithm yeah. doesn't have that context. Right. Um, did you ever, there's this side project I used to love. It was from Jason Kotke and, and it was a, something off the Twitter API in the old days. It's called Stellar.io. And what it was, was a feed of tweets that people you follow had faved. And so you'd see the tweet along with who you knew had faved it. And so then you would always read that tweet in the context of it's really good. Ah, right. And it probably matters in for this reason, because you'd right. add in this extra context of the curator, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it's such a simple, uh, a simple yeah. type of curation. And yet it adds so much extra, extra meaning. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's the that kind of approach to thinking about how you would look at a social media feed, for example, yeah. right? Yeah. Is is very interesting. I think you look at the, you know, most people look at social media through one or two lenses. They have their following feed, mm -hmm. which is a reverse cron yeah. generally list of posts for and then you have the for you feed, which is a, you know, algorithmic concoction right. it's a black box of things we think you want to read right yeah. and there's some amount of matchmaking going on there there's a lot of you know problems mm -hmm. with the algorithms that are tuned as you said for engagement um yeah. and that's the only two ways that people look at social media today which to me feels fundamentally broken right like just the way you consume you know and, and you're that means you're going to miss all sorts of important stuff you're mm -hmm. going to see stuff that's actually not good being recommended yep. to you yep. um and it feels like there's a whole other model for how, you know, we should enable people to yeah. discover the things that people are recommending, right? This is what I love about the demise of Twitter and Facebook. And they, mm -hmm. don't, they don't have to go all the way to the grave, but it just, right. even Google right now, I feel like no, no one, none of these are guaranteed to exist at the level of monopoly power that they've had. And right. so, yeah, it's like such an exciting time for entrepreneurs. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm an entrepreneur at heart here, kind of working with an existing asset. But you know, like anyone who's starting businesses, like, and is looking at the Fediverse, like, we get to rethink everything. 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 Literally yeah. everything. What was that service you mentioned earlier? The, the favorite? 
Stellar.io. Stellar.io. I assume yeah. it's not functioning anymore because they no. turned down the AP, turned off the API, right? Yeah, right? Well, you know, that's the beauty of the Fediverse, right? Yeah. You can do that now. Yeah. Any developer can, in their spare yeah. time, do a Stellar.io and stand right. it up and not worry about somebody shutting it down. Yeah, right. Oh, that's right. That's exactly like, um, oh, yeah, that's like, it would be such a great project. Yeah, these things don't have to be businesses or we have different or they can and yeah. we have different business models. It's like, yeah. Don, all of Macedon is funded yeah. via Patreon. It's Eugene <laughs> just coding totally. most of it himself with a few folks helping him funded entirely through, yeah. through Patreon. Wild. I think also what's cool is that we're in like the third era, uh, the third business model era of the internet. Is like mm -hmm. everything had to be free, then everything was ad driven, which sort of didn't completely offend the everything needs to be free. And now we've seen the limits of this, right? Yeah. Like we're all like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should pay for what I value, right? Or not mm -hmm. all of us, but enough of us. And yeah. so, you know, you just have different incentives when you're, when your user is also your direct customer. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that, again, that goes back to now is the time when we get to rethink everything. And, you know, one of the um, most profound differences uh, here is that the web was a, it was a set of connections between web pages and that that's yeah. what made up the web, right? Yeah. But now what we have are people connected to web pages and people connected to people. It's a much mm. more intricate web, right? This social yeah, web. right. right. And it's still just as open as the yeah. web, right? Yeah. And so if you think about, okay, well, what does search look like in that world? What does content discovery and, you know, what does content creation look like? How does curation work in that world? You really, it is really the ability to rethink through everything. How does monetization, how does the business yeah. model work, you know? But all from an open model where there's no longer a middleman in between the connection between somebody who wrote a piece of content and somebody who created who was consuming it. Yeah. Now that connection is direct. Right. And it's like, you know, I think the internet is healthy when the kind of the platform dynamics or the dynamics change because the dynamics get so thoroughly gamed and like, right. maybe we need Google to die because we need like all the growth hackers to be put out of business and have to start from scratch. But it's just like, you know, recipes on Google are like famously the worst result, right? It's just right a hundred paragraphs of make believe story, but you just want the before you get to the recipe itself, right? right. Well, why is that? It's because Google needs that for some reason, right? And the search results just get worse and worse because the SEO industry is so good and so mature. Yeah. And um and, you know, you look at that and you think, well, we just need fewer web pages in the search results, right? And like, how are you yeah. going to filter that, right? Well, as you're yeah. getting at it, like now we have networks of people connected to pages, connected to people. And, you know, maybe I really only should be seeing a subset of the internet. I should be seeing on, you know, on most occasions, I should be seeing the subset that you like and that my network likes. And... Yeah, might be are, a big improvement, are, right? Like some entrepreneurs investigate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Knowing who are these mavens, know who are these thought leaders, these yeah. experts, yeah. and what are they recommending? What are they reading? Um, yeah. And having those then 
influence heavily how search works. Yeah. I mean, doesn't this happen in other places really effectively? Like how do books spread, right? Like right. not through all Google. Word of mouth, right? All word of mouth, right? Yeah. And uh and that uh, right. You have the you have the review that comes out, you know, from a reviewer that you trust. Yeah. You have word of mouth that spreads, and you're right. I and this is, you know, it's like uh, there's so many ways in which, you know, if you change the the dynamics, like new opportunities come up. I was kind of arguing with a someone who wrote um, like AI articles on Medium, and they were like really upset that their like payment their payments per month had dropped from like $150 to $75. And I was like, dude, why are you trying to game our payment system with mediocre content mill trash? Right. Like you, this is an emerging topic. You have yeah. an exam, you have an opportunity to use writing to make yourself the expert on this topic and be paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And here you are complaining to me about $75. You are living in so some local maxima that is like, yeah. you know, underneath people's feet, right? Like, yeah. it like, you know, like ankle level. Right. Yeah. And so what I found myself saying to him, is like, quit gaming us and write something that's going to impress someone important which is like a very elitist thing to say, but there is that like, yeah, this like the current incentives encourage dumb writing. And right. if you have to go by word of mouth, then, Oh, that's a whole different ball game, right? Like what's something that's going to be so good that people, that people will hear it. And then, yeah. What's, yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and that, you know, I, I imagine, have you seen a, an influx of AI generated content, you know, on medium, has that been a, a thing that you've been dealing with? Well, you're trying to, trying to get me angry here. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. it's the ultimate in lazy writing and lazy thinking, right? You know, I saw a, a former VC post today. He'd taken a um, tweet that I've, that people seem to like and he'd sent it to ChatGPT to turn it into a blog post, and he'd posted it. And I read this thing, and it was the coldest, dumbest, most generic yeah. explanation. And I was like, and I yeah. know this guy. I said, hey, yeah. like, I was kind of curious about your tweet, and I still don't think I understand, because there's this enormous amount of human story behind why you said that, and it's all missing from this generic chat GPT yeah. explanation yeah. for the most part, this is the thing I'm saying about being angry though. Um, for the most part, AI has just generated a lot of spam because mm -hmm. most of what we recommend recommend has been filtered through humans first and humans spot it instantly. It's just verbose generic nonsense. Um, uh, it doesn't make its way into the recommendations at the level that you want, but it does mean right. that all of our nominators, all of our editors, yeah. a lot of our authors are just seeing a lot more of it. Yeah. And uh, it just makes spam cheaper, essentially yeah. uh, has not. Mm -hmm. And I've really yet to find anything like people aren't sending me great articles that were really helped by AI in any way. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah. I think, one AI generated poem has made it into our boots program. So we're not perfect, 
but we've all so far to our knowledge only boosted one thing that was AI generated. Of, Did, was it know, labeled as AI generated or, or, or wasn't? Yeah. No. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think AI generated. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? How, um, people can to tell this was written by AI, but like algorithms can't, <laughs> it's actually really hard to write an algorithm that can detect whether it was AI. What is that? What's up with that? Right. There's like, there's something unidentifiable still, thankfully yeah. and luckily, yeah. about human judgment that can't you can't just put down in an algorithm it's just such a weird moment it is that is 100 percent true like every two weeks we our trust and safety team checks all the ai um mm -hmm. checkers and then mm -hmm. none of them are good enough for production mm -hmm. use and then meanwhile all of us and all of the editors and all of the nominators feel like they can spot it instantly granted false positives or whatever don't really matter. It's sort of, it's like, the, if you say this is AI generated and you're wrong, you're still saying this is generic, too wordy yeah. and not any right. good. But right. like basically I think we do spot it. Uh, I think we're, we tend to be right and understanding, you know, there's multiple categories of um, mediocre, uninteresting writing. And, you know, we're, you know, one of them is definitely AI. Um, I don't know why That's this true. industry is like anti-human. I mean, this is to me, the thing that yeah. cracks me up at, you know, at work is all of a sudden there's a market like segmentation for being pro-human. Like our authors love that we're, we took a kind of an anti-AI stance. They're like, thank mm -hmm. you. It's affirming yeah. to them. And right. like, what? What sort of weird industry are we in that we've like we've gone down this path where suddenly, yeah, right? Oh no, no, no! I I like being human. Like as a as a marketing, I like having my writing absorbed into some new you know other work yeah. that I get no credit for. Right, right. It's just a, yeah. it's a weird. It's like we have the Terminator myth, and yet the very right. first thing we try to do with AI is replace ourselves. Uh, <laughs> like what? that is so funny. We so learned right. nothing uh, about this. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. is where, it, like, having kind of having like a liberal arts degree and mm -hmm. uh, having some well-rounded life experience makes it easier, maybe, for me to see that there's, you know, there's more to living a full life than just really effective software. That is such a good point, you know, and, you know, said by somebody who's, I know has written a lot of software and written about writing yeah. software and yeah. right. <laughs> how software can help change the world. And it can, right. I mean, yeah. I, I think, but, but the way you've applied software and technology mm -hmm. with the liberal arts judgment mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. the magic, you know, Steve Jobs yeah. used to talk about that. Yeah. The time, yeah. Right. right. And that, that is a, that to me is like one of the things I love most about medium yeah. is it has that very human, yeah. very genuine approach yeah. to, you know, right. to technology that, that, that blend. And I think the change that you made as CEO to say, listen, write something that impresses someone mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll boost it and we'll match yeah. make it right. Yeah. That's brilliant. And, yeah. and I think that I can see how that would just change every aspect of how your business operates, all your metrics internally, your meetings, decision-making, you know, right. 
So good on you, man. I, that's really impressive. And and it's fun work too. I mean, isn't this why we got into this industry? I just, again, I think it's so easy to get lost in this, uh, in this industry. That thinking, bringing that thinking to the Fediverse, you know, yeah. is super exciting, right? I, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see where you go next uh, yeah. with Mastodon and the Fediverse, because this is yeah. this type of thinking, right? Yeah. How do you not miss the good stuff? How do we not just fall into the trap of like, we're just yeah. looking at another following feed and it looks just like Twitter and, you know, okay. Yeah. You know, like where do we go? How do we make it really work? I keep saying this. I'm just so excited for a change in the dynamics of the internet. And, yeah. um, uh, and I just, I tried as long as we're just not thinking in terms of horse races, like this is, you know, there's a, maybe a slow moving shift, maybe it'll happen uh -huh. in, uh, in spurts. Um, but it, uh -huh. it's, there's a lot that I don't like about the current era. And I just like, there's a thing we say internally. It's like, you know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to accept the way it is. Uh -huh. Right. And, uh, and so that's what I'm looking at at the Fediverse. It's like, okay, what can we do? that's different from what's already been done because of this. One of the things I ended up saying a lot when I first joined is I like that it doesn't, it puts you um, out of the mode of thinking of monopolies. Like there's just something about being an entrepreneur and an ambitious mm -hmm. one in the current dynamic is like, you kind of need to get to that monopoly, right? And so I just don't think it's possible. And so I don't have to think that way. I can think in terms of, what's unique to medium that's valuable that fits us, but doesn't have, yeah. doesn't have to be like world beating. It just has to be useful. And, um, so I think yeah. like, there's just so much still to come to see, you know, where, where we're going to fit and, you know, mm -hmm. at minimum, you know, keep be a, being a cheerleader for it. And then over time, I would, I put more and more, uh, find more and more places where we can be uniquely useful and, and then other people are going to do the other parts and we're all going to be collaborators and yeah, it'd be great. I, I do. I think that's one of the great things that I've seen in the Fediverse is the, com, the, the collaboration between yeah. people all kind of looking at this from different vantage points with different businesses or products that they've been doing. There's yeah. a real sense of um, it's almost as if we're all on the same team, you know, advancing the same idea. Yeah. in different different um vantage points yeah yeah it, it gives me early internet vibes i mean early for me was mm -hmm. you know late 90s early 2000s but yeah uh, yeah but not yeah not early early i didn't get to see that but yeah i mean there there was just a, a lot of greenfield and a lot of um uh, optimists with good hearts you know operating mm -hmm. in that time well, I, before we go, Tony, is there advice that you would give to someone who maybe hasn't done anything in the Fediverse yet? They've got a business. Uh, I, I have people asked you, you know, hey, how, what's the best way for me to kind of get started on this? Yeah, like give up all of the growth hacking nonsense. Like the Fediverse is a place to go make real relationships. You know, and it maps to the, the advice you give to that writer, right? Something that someone's going to be impressed with. 
yeah. build something that someone that someone in the Fediverse is going to find useful. Right. Yeah. I just was, I mean, I know we we're trying to wrap up, but I'm just amazed by how much, how little self-awareness there is around how the internet inspired people to cheat, you know, yeah. like I get growth hacking. I've growth hacked a ton of things. Right. Yeah. But I always knew I was cheating the platform. Right. I never <laughs> deluded myself on that. Right. And, you know, follow yeah. for follow, all of that stuff. Right. Like I always knew it was cheating and it's, it somehow it became so normalized. It's like, well, how else am I going to make a living except by, yeah. you know, gaming, gaming SEO. the platform, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and so it, yeah. you know, that is a great point. And I think a lot of the, you know, uh, the gaming mechanics, you know, mm -hmm. SEO is, is kind of like, it's analogous to the engine that you had on medium that you've now yeah. transformed. Yeah. Um, or the lack of the direct relationship between a person and a business. Like it was always owned by some middle person. Mm -hmm. And to, to reach that that person, like if, let's say you're a brand. Let's say you're a really okay. great brand, like Leica camera. Sure, and right. you just want to have a genuine relationship with your camera customers or yeah. help people understand why they should buy your camera. You have to go through all these middlemen to ever reach that person. And then you really don't even know who that person is. It's yeah. no, it's not the same as someone walking into your store, forming right. a relationship with right. them, selling them on the merit of the product, right? Yeah. Right. And and because of that, yeah, you you end up gaming everything. And then you yeah. just have middlemen upon middlemen helping you game it all, right? Yeah. And they come up with these crazy terms and yeah. these crazy <laughs> ideas that you just can't even understand, right? And it, it just right. It's really, you're to, you're so, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's a, it's a really interesting time. I'm glad to be in it with you. I'm glad to be in it with you too, Tony. And I, right. I, I, I think people are going to love hearing your, your journey here with medium and uh, we'll be following along with a lot of interest. Yeah. Thank you for letting months. me share it. Thank you, Mike. Well, thanks so much for listening. You can follow Tony on Medium at coachtony.medium.com. And on Mastodon, he's at coachtony at me.dm. Big thank you to our editors, Rosanna Caban and Anne Lay. To learn more about what Flipboard's doing in the Fediverse, sign up via the link in this show's notes. You can also follow Mike McHugh on Mastodon at mike at flipboard.social. See you in the Fediverse.